Good morning, everyone. Welcome here. So we're in our third Sunday of Advent. We'll be singing lots of good Christmas songs this morning. So we invite you to sing, O Come All Ye Faithful. great to hear lots of people singing loudly for those Christmas songs. So keep it up. The call to worship this morning is from Psalm chapter 89 verses 1 to 4. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. I'll invite Sarah to come and light the candles. And you can look on the screen behind me and follow along and say out loud when it says people. We light a candle of joy and we know and experience jubilation, rejoicing, do not fear. We light the candle and join in God's song, singing loudly, singing freely, singing together. Let us come together and see what God has done. As the candles continue to be lit, let's pray. Lord, please be with us here today. We know that you are through your spirit and through the presence of each other. And we pray that the, the symbol of the candles being lit will remind us of your presence, of the joy, 
and the peace and the hope that we have in you. And I pray that you could draw our hearts and our minds towards you this morning so that we can be free of distraction, um, free of pride, free of fear, and that we would come into your presence with repentant hearts and enjoy the forgiveness and the presence that you offer us there. Amen. Let's sing, O Holy Night.
let's sing joy to the world together. I heard this once, and I hope it's true, but it's an interesting way of thinking of the song either way. I heard that Joy to the World was originally written as a second coming song. Um, so it, it's actually interesting to think of the lyrics, thinking about Jesus coming back and, and the second coming of Christ. Um, it does apply to the first as well, but that fullness of restoration will come at the second coming. So think about that as we sing Joy to the World. turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. All right. Let's bow together to dismiss the children to Children's Church. Our God, we thank you for each and every one of the children in our congregation. God, we pray that now as they go to Children's Church, that they will find it a blessed time, that they will learn wonderful lessons about who you are. We pray also, be with the teachers. And God, we also want to pray a blessing over our service today. Lord, we pray that you will make yourself known in a very clear and visible way. Lord, we pray all of these things to you this morning. Amen. All right. If you have your bulletins on you, you will notice that there are a number of fun and exciting things. Uh, The first being that tonight at 7.30, there is going to be an Advent service here at the church. I'll say that again, at 7.30, originally it was going to be 7, but now 7.30. I am really looking forward to it. Uh, So tonight, 7.30, Advent uh, service at the church. Uh, Youth, 7.30 on Wednesday to 9.30, it's going to be at Dawson and Bethany's. Uh, Also, uh, 7 p.m. prayer meeting at the church, right in time uh, to give me all the prayer that I need, because I think Wednesday's the 15th, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's my birthday. So I'm going to need all of the prayer I can possibly get this Wednesday. So even if you can't make it out to the prayer meeting, keep me in your mind. That'll be wonderful. You can always use more prayer as you head into a new year, especially a new year that's going to find you with a new baby. Oh boy, there's a lot of stuff coming. All right. And if you look farther down, December 25th, we're going to be having at 1045 a Christmas Day service here at the church. December 25th this year is Saturday, uh, so make sure to put that on your calendars. If you can make it out, we'd love to have you. Uh, And there isn't going to be a service on the 26th because of that. So uh, if you can't make it out, uh, then know that, uh, relax, open up your Bibles, and spend some time with Christ on the 26th, but just not here, because no one's going to be here. All right, so besides that... I think that's all the announcements we have this morning. Uh, For items to pray for, uh, Bilal and Fatima, please keep them in your prayers. Uh, We are at the point where we are just waiting for the Canadian government to issue plane tickets to them. So we are right at that point. And we are really praying that it happens as soon as possible. So please keep them in your prayer. Keep the government in your prayer. Uh, that that happens soon. Uh, Keep in your prayers also our university students. Uh, We are going into exam time. I believe that would be going into. I think that they're already in the thick of it, aren't they? So please pray for our university students. And also for those that the Christmas season is a difficult time. The Christmas season is something that is such a wonderful and joyful time for so many of us that we tend to completely forget that for others, it is an entire month of being reminded of unfortunate things. And so please keep 
those people in your minds. And if any uh, that you know off the top of your head, maybe stop by, give them a visit as well. I'm sure that they uh, could use it. Oh, in line with that, we are also still collecting names until the end of this week for dainty platters for uh, people that can use a pick-me-up during this Christmas season, so please get those to me as soon as possible. And finally, please pray for our church as uh, we are in the season of Advent and then go forward from that in the series we are on refocusing on Christ that we are joining the rest of the EMC in as well. Uh, please pray that we come out of this time at the end of Pentecost knowing our Lord like never before. And with that said, let's go now into a time of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning so happy to gather in your name, so happy to gather to learn more, in the case of this Sunday, about your mom. Lord, we pray the scripture passage speaks new words to how we know to live as followers of you. God, we want to pray for our church. We want to pray for our church as we are in this series of refocusing on you. God, we want to pray that out the far side of it, we see you like we didn't even know we could before, that you impact our lives in ways that we didn't even know were possible before, that you change us, that you ignite in us a fire that we didn't know could even burn that bright. Lord, this we put before you. And not only do we pray for ourselves in this matter, but the rest of the EMC as well, the rest of the churches in this area as well. God, we pray, light that fire. Help us to build your kingdom here in new and exciting ways that you had planned all along. This we put before you. And God, we also want to bring before you a number of people this morning. God, we want to bring before you Bilal and Fatima. We've been praying for them an awful lot over these last six years, and now that it is finally to the point that they are almost here, God, we pray that the last few steps fall into place as soon as they can. God, we pray those tickets find it to them. God, we pray that soon we will be able to see them face to face. Lord, this we put before you. Please help this to be a wonderful way to start off the new year. And God, we also want to pray for our university students as they are now in the thick of final exams and soon at an end. God, we pray that you bless them as they write. God, we pray that you bless them as they study. God, we pray that when finally the writing is all done and they are home, you help all of the anxiety that comes along with those exams to fade as fast as possible so that they can become fully rested over the time off that they have this Christmas season. God, we put them right before you. And God, we also want to pray for the people of our town and our congregation and that we know in our own lives, for which this time that is so joyous to so many of us is a hardship. God, we pray that we open our eyes to who these people are, and we show them the comfort that they need during this time. Lord, all of these things we put before you this morning. But again, we thank you so much for being able to gather in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
All right. Everybody's got Bibles on them? Or cell phones, as the case may be? For our passage today, uh, which is Luke 1, 26 to 38. You can open your up there. Uh, it's one that we're going to want to take a, a closer look at. Because it's one that I think that we believers often miss the true gravity of. And I say this because usually when we read this passage, we come at it keeping in mind what comes after it first and foremost. Luke 1, 26 to 38. We, we read it keeping in mind that soon Jesus is born and then lives and dies and is resurrected to cleanse us from our sins and to teach us how to follow God. We keep that in our mind when we read this story. And when we do that, this passage comes off as a lot more preordained is the word I'm going to use here. Preordained in the sense that the decision that Mary makes at the end of it is something that obviously she's going to make that decision. How could she do anything else knowing what it is that comes? But I think that this morning we're going to do ourselves a favor and read this first starting off where Mary starts off with it. Because when our passage today begins, Mary doesn't know any of those things that are to come, does she? Jesus is all in her future. So what if instead we begin at the beginning, we read it as Mary would have encountered it, or at least as close as possible to how we can read that Mary would have encountered it. Because if we do that, then we get a bit of a different picture. And so as Luke begins recounting for us today, we find a girl, young, uh, almost certainly poor, for reasons that come up more later on, uh, and engaged, going about her day in her hometown of Nazareth. Uh, it doesn't really say what she's doing, but then all of a sudden, poof, Gabriel. Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Again, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Here we get a bit of a hint of what kind of stuff that we're going to find out that Mary is made out of. For when Gabriel did this same thing six months earlier to Zechariah, the story that we talked about last week, Zechariah did not take this surprise half as well as teenage Mary does. He, he freaks right out. He was shaking, it says, but not Mary. And it's not like she had a heads up on this one either. It's safe to say from how the angel tells her about Elizabeth later on that it's safe to say that she has no idea that that has happened yet. But Mary wasn't afraid. For Mary, we read, was instead greatly troubled at what this greeting could mean. Verse 29. And while that reaction to Gabriel's introduction at first glance might surprise you for her to be troubled by it, I ask, if I were to come up to you someday and have that same level of greeting, that same intensity of greeting, what would you expect for me to ask you next? What would you expect the next thing to be out of my mouth? 
If I came up to you with an introduction as big as, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you, I think you would expect for me to ask you something rather big, wouldn't you? That's kind of how it sounds. It sounds like Gabriel is buttering her up a little bit. The angelic equivalent of taking someone to a nice meal before you ask them to join your new business venture. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you, is the kind of introduction that leaves you flattered enough to be waiting for the other shoe to drop, for God to ask you to do something for him. And that it was an angel speaking especially means that it wouldn't have been odd for Mary to be waiting for that either, because all through the Old Testament, this is how we see God work time and again. I mean, think of just some of the stories in the Old Testament of an angel of the Lord suddenly appearing before someone he favors. Think Abraham. Angel appears. Hi, I want you to leave your home, pack up your family, and go to this place a world away where no one knows you. Or think Joshua. Hi, I want you, instead of attacking that city there with archers on top of its big walls, to just march around it a bunch. Or Gideon. Hi, I want you, farmhand with no military experience, to break down every last one of the most prized possessions of all of your neighbors and then raise an army to drive out the Philistines. We read Mary's thoughts are troubled at this greeting from the angel, and that makes sense. But Gabriel, we read, sees this trouble in the young woman, and he does his best to soothe Mary's heart. Do not be afraid he tells this teenager. And let me tell you from experience, that is a bold choice of words right there. I grew up with two sisters all through their teenage years. And from my experience, at least, and this is going to be different for everyone, but from my experience, I can tell you that this approach to comforting a very rightfully troubled young woman does not always have the kind of desired calming effect that Gabriel might be after. But hey, you can't really blame the angel. After all, this line worked on Zachariah only a few months prior to calm him down, so why not try it again? But we read Gabriel very quickly moves on. Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And the other shoe just dropped. The big ask is there, and it is a big ask. Will you bear the Son of God? In Mary's mind, hearing this, I think you would do well to expel any notions that she was excited or stoked for this to be happening, at least at this point in time. The excitement does come, it does come, but it comes later. Instead here, I'm betting that the legitimate troubles that she was having before just grew to a bit of a fever pitch. For as I pointed out before, Mary is only engaged at this point in the story. She's not married yet. And that is a big thing to note, because while you were engaged in this culture, you did not see your future spouse alone at all, 
which means that if Mary suddenly shows up pregnant, at best what would be thought is that she and Joseph snug off somewhere to be together. And in that culture at that time, that would have itself been a scandal. The kind that would have brought shame on Mary and Joseph's family, and as such, very likely could have ended them run out of town or at least shunned for a spell as a result. And that is the best case scenario. More likely, what Mary would assume is about to happen is that Joseph found out, when he found out that she was pregnant, he would disavow her and the future child and try to distance himself in order to save face. Something that we know is almost certainly the thing that was being thought because that's exactly what Joseph contemplates doing but ultimately decides against it because of his own visit from an angel in Matthew's telling of these events. And most terrifying at all to Mary If he did this, if he distanced himself from her and the child in a particularly vindictive way, which a fiancé feeling scorned is not above doing, and something Mary would have no reason to think that Joseph wouldn't do because this is also a culture where future brides and husbands don't get to know each other in advance. So she has no reason to know that he isn't the vindictive sort. But if he was to do that in a vindictive way, the outcome could very possibly be her getting stoned outside the village. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Will you do this thing for me that will turn your family, your fiancé, and your village against you? Will you do this thing that may end you shunned and killed for something that is not your fault? That is what Mary is being asked here. And that's why I'm saying that she would have, at this point in the conversation, been rightfully terrified. So it is with this high amount of concern in her voice, which I think we should understand what she says next. How can this be? I am a virgin. It's not that she is doubting that God can do this thing. The angel certainly doesn't take it that she's doubting that God can do this thing because we know from Zechariah's story what it means, what the angel does if someone's doubting what God can do. But more, I think, this is the kind of question that if you ask it, no matter what the answer is, then you know that there is going to be someone who will be with you through what is to come going forward. And it is answered in that way. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her, own age, in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. That's the comfort that Mary needed from Gabriel, and she finally gets it. Who will be with you through the hardships to come? God will be, your future son, and some of your family, not all, but Elizabeth. And it is after this comforting, after what I assume was a pretty long pause, 
that we get Mary's answer. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. And the angel leaves. And after he goes, Mary is still, I'm betting, rather at loose ends because the next thing that we read that she does is she takes off into the country by herself, pregnant through brigand-infested lands on a multi-day journey to go see Elizabeth. And that sounds rather like I'm at loose ends kind of thing to do to me. And it's only after that that she spends some time with Elizabeth that we see that she's grown to become excited even joyful for what is to come. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. As I said before, this passage is one that I think we Christians often read, not incorrectly, but not to the full gravity that it should be read. We read it as a great miraculous blessing on Mary, which it is that, but that's a reading that only makes sense if you know what comes next. And while as we know that this is a blessing, to do the mother of our Lord some justice, the decision that she makes here justice, I think that we really ought to try to read her story also as she would have experienced it. As it happens, not yet knowing all of what is to come, as glorious and life-changing as it will prove to be. Because if you read this story first through her eyes, knowledge of what is to come placed to the side for a moment, what you have then is a story of a young, poor, teenage girl who is asked to do something by God that by everything she knows will not possibly, but will cause her, her fiancé, and her family hardship on a level that she has never known but was raised to always fear. And she is asked to do this huge and impossibly hard thing with nothing but the promise that through this God would be with her, that some family would be with her, not all, but one, and out the far side, an assurance that it will be worth it. That is what Mary faces in this passage. Her not knowing yet what the future is to bring. That is what she faces. And she accepts the call. And as a result of that decision, we know the Lord today. How many of us, I wonder, would have the guts to make that same call? God comes to us saying, there is this thing I need you to do, but you will have to give up the greatest thing that you have been taught to value and cherish to do it. But don't worry, I'll be with you, and in the end, it'll be worthwhile. That's a tall order. How many of us would make that same choice? And yet Mary does. She does just that. And God proves good to his word as well, for he is with her, as is Elizabeth. 
Then God goes above and beyond what he tells her even. For as I mentioned, the angel also convinces Joseph to still take Mary as his wife, even though all of his culture and likely his family would have been screaming at him to not do that. Gabriel doesn't tell Mary in this passage that God is going to do that for her. She, yet she does as the Lord commands anyway. That is the thing to do regardless of what is to come for her. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Maybe there is more in that introduction for us believers than at first glance. And so let us try to apply this courage of Mary to our own lives. And here we come to the assignment part of the message today, or assignments as the case may be. Here is the first of them, but it's only for a few of you of which you feel this applies. Those who have felt God pulling you to do something, but you have been resistant to follow that tugging on your heart for one reason or the other. On this third Sunday of Advent, where we meet Mary, the mother of our Lord, I ask you to take a page from her book and take that jump. Though it may look terrifying, as we can tell from our passage today and the book that follows it, God is with those that he calls, both as you follow him and also most certainly in the results. And want to talk about that with someone? You know where to find me. Now for assignment number two, and this one is for everyone. This coming week, I want you to take stock of the things in your life that are keeping you from following God more fully. In prayer, ask Jesus what it is that you are holding on to that when push comes to shove will keep you from following the example we see in Mary. To follow God regardless of the sacrifice. Even if you were not called by God as directly as seeing Gabriel himself, all of us believers are called by the Spirit to work to further the name of Jesus and build his kingdom in the world around us. So take stock of the places in your life where you feel unwilling to do that because it would mean giving up something simply too great for you. If you want to go deeper in your relationship with our Lord, if you want to be transformed by refocusing on him, if you need to know the things in your life that are keeping you from doing that more fully. This doesn't for sure mean that God is going to call you to do these grand things and to give up the things that you hold the most dear, but by knowing what they are, then you can learn how you need to reorder your life so that he is the God above all. Only then will you be able, in the face of all uncertainty, to follow the Lord as Mary shows us is possible today. And now the third and final assignment. I want you, if you are not doing so already over the months to come, to carve out a block of time from your week, something that you know you can keep to regularly. 
And then I want you to spend that time in prayer and in your Bible. From our passage today, we know that Mary is in part able to do as God commands her because God promises that he will be with her. And that is something that is all well and good to say. But I dare say that if you don't have a great relationship with the Lord to begin with, that God will be with you won't be a truth that will carry much weight when you are called to do something. Simply put, you need to work on your relationship if you want to follow the Lord through the thick and the thin. And when it comes to spending time with God, from experience, I can tell you, best think of it like learning an instrument or a language. It matters far more that you have consistent contact than one day you have five hours and then the next half year, none. So think of your schedule. Pick a time for any length that you think you will be able to handle regularly. And then commit to that, being your time with God over the weeks to come. Don't figure that's possible. Cell phones. You can get audio Bibles on those things for dirt cheap these days. Get one of those and then make it your new shower time practice. Playing in the background. Then let it grow from there. I promise you that if you do this, you will be closer to Mary's ability to follow God no matter what than you ever would have thought was possible before. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. From the story of meeting Mary, the mother of our Lord, as she would have experienced it, We know what that greeting can mean. But we also know the comfort that greeting can bring. So over the weeks to come, I say we prepare ourselves so that we can follow her example. And as the birth of our Lord approaches, so very quickly, Let us see for ourselves just what following her example can bring. Amen. And now, communion. Also, I have a minute. If you were looking for a journal before, we got another dozen in. And so as you're leaving, you'll be able to see a box there. If you really wanted a journal to follow through the time to come, you can pick one up Uh, on the back table as you leave. We read in the book of 1 Corinthians, for the tradition I received from the Lord and also handed on to you is that on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, with the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this as a memorial of me. For whenever you eat this bread then and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. At McGregor EMC, we believe that communion is open to all believers. Although if you have young ones with you, I would ask you to make that decision for them yourself, parents. And so now, let us spend a minute in prayer, preparing ourselves for this wonderful gift of our Lord.
Our Lord, we pray as we join together, not only the people here today, but the believers to come that are across the world now and that came before us all the way back to that table with the disciples and you, that you impress upon us just what it means to be a Christian, just what it means to follow you. Lord, we pray that through this time of communion, we will see the true scope of your church with you at its head. Our Lord, we pray, amen. And so, together we eat. And together we drink. And together, let us recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing Infant Holy, Infant Lowly. Infant holy, infant lowly, for his bed a cattle stall, oxen knowing, little knowing, Christ the Just a reminder, uh, on the back table, a journal if you haven't gotten one already before. I suspect the assignments that I gave you today, that will go a long way, particularly with that second one. And also, tonight, 7.30, Advent service here at the church. I hope you all can make it. And our benediction today comes from the book of Ephesians. May God the Father 
and the Lord Jesus Christ grant peace, love, and faith to all the brothers. May grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ in love imperishable. I suspect Jeff has something to say before I dismiss you. Our church has a tradition of giving our pastor and family a gift at Christmas time, a financial gift. Um, and I thank you for your uh, generosity in contributing towards it. And Russell, thank you for being our pastor. Shannon and Noel, thank you for supporting him in his role as our pastor. And Merry Christmas to you and yours. Well, happy birthday to me. <laughs> Go now and serve our God. <laughs>